HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to the Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Katie Giever. Uh, today we are broadcasting live from the Young Farmers Conference of Stone Barns in Pocantico Hills, New York. We want to thank the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts and the Stone Barns Center for Food and Agriculture for making our coverage possible. Uh, my guest today is Caitlin Arnold. Uh, she is the National Chapter Manager of the National Young Farmers Coalition. Thanks so much for joining us today, Caitlin. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what the coalition does? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, so the National Young Farmers Coalition is a national policy and advocacy organization working for young and beginning farmers across the country. Um, so what we do is try to make it easier for young farmers who want to enter careers in agriculture, be able to do so and be able to succeed in those careers. And there's no, uh, there's no age cutoff, is there? You there is no age cutoff, officially. Farmer. You right. don't have to be, well, young and beginning. So I would say most of our farmers that we represent are between 20 and 45. Okay. Um, but we don't, you know, there's no official age cutoff. Gotcha. That is my number one question I get asked. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you call Am yourself I too young... old to be <laughs> a young right, farmer? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now you are the national uh, chapter manager. What do you, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we have a farmer led chapter network. We have 45 chapters in 28 states across wow. the country. Um, so my role is to support those chapters and to also help start new ones in places where we don't have a chapter yet. 
Uh-huh. And, and when you talk about your chapter network, um, are they all sharing uh, best practices? Are they sharing uh, information, say, about conservation stewardship programs or EQIP or like what are, or are they collaborating? Uh, all of the above. On, okay. All of the above. So do you find that young farmers are more collaborative or less collaborative or the same as the regular agriculture, our aging farmer population? Um, that's a hard question to answer because I'm, I'm less familiar with the older farmers mm -hmm. in our country and, and their forms of collaboration that they've had throughout the years. Um, but I would say that our network of farmers is extremely collaborative. Um, we have farmers that ha in their chapters have formed cooperative buying clubs, so buying right. things in bulk. We have farmers that have formed um, equipment sharing networks, tool libraries. Our chapters do um, farm tours and workshops on each other's farms. They cool. do crop mobs where they all go to one farm for a whole day and bust out a bunch of projects. And right. then they'll go to someone else's farm the next month. Um, so really, really collaborating with one another, sharing the knowledge that they already have. Right. And then also um, disseminating new information through us and through their other networks. That's such a happy story. I love that. Yes. <laughs> it is a happy story. It's really That's great. the happy side of, of... Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Now, but there are some less happy sides of, um, of being a young farmer. And one of them is uh, something that I know is being considered in the legislative package, um, which is the Young Farmer Success Act, and that is student loan forgiveness. So talk a little bit about the impact of student loans on beginning farmers and, you know, how what exactly that means in terms of hampering their ability mm -hmm. to move forward. Yeah, so we are finding that um, young farmers who are entering agriculture now are, are highly educated. This is a highly educated group of young people who want to be stewards of the land and want to feed their communities, um, but they have college degrees. Um, so when you try to enter a career such as farming that is very capital intensive yeah. and you're entering already with a, an existing debt load of student loan debt, it makes it that much harder to gain access to the capital that you need to start your business and keep your business growing. So that means um, land for equipment, startup costs initially, and then land for equipment as you grow and, or money, sorry, money for equipment as you grow, and then funds for purchasing land or leasing land down the road. Um, so when farmers, young farmers have student loan debt, often what we're seeing is that they are either putting off farming altogether so that they can pay their student loans first, so working other jobs and waiting okay. to become full-time farmers, uh -huh. or they are not growing their businesses in the way that they want to. So right. they're not purchasing land and able to expand their business. They're not able to hire more employees, even though they might be in the place where they feel ready to do that. Um, but if they're paying you know, $500, $900 a month on their student loan debt, Jiminy Cricket. Um, you know, how are you gonna do that and get a bank to approve a loan for you to be able to purchase that equipment you need or purchase the land that you that you need to But you know on. what's interesting to me about that is, um, like if you're a contract farmer with Tyson or Smithfield, uh, your local bank is, is more than happy to 
front you a million bucks to mm -hmm. build a couple of hog houses or some chicken houses. Yep. And so I, I'm just curious, like, how, what is, why is it so much harder for younger farmers to mm -hmm. get into the game? Um, what, why do banks, um, I wouldn't say they discriminate against, but why yeah. is there less, uh, less interest in uh, getting young farmers onto the land, do you think? Yeah, I think young farmers are seeing, especially young farmers who are um, smaller scale, growing, you know, the sort of niche -er pro products such right. as, you know, vegetables, um, maybe grass-fed livestock, um, raw milk or grass-fed dairy, making cheese, ice cream, things like that. Um, they are seen as a very risky group to, to banks. Um, farming is risky. I mean, any type of farming is risky. Yeah. Uh, you don't make very much money, and any sort of setback can really be a crisis um, financially. So, yeah, I think banks just see, you know, they see a young farmer um, who doesn't have capital to back them up right. um, as a very risky proposition. Huh. I mean, it seems to me that uh, raising chickens could be equally risky, but I don't want to bog down no, in that. No, I, I mean, you know I agree what with I mean, you. right? Yes. It's yep. like, I mean, you could have a whole flock wiped out, and then you're not going to make your payment on your loan for your house, and then you're going to get foreclosed on, and that yep. happens over and over again. Happens all and the yet time. somehow banks are happy to, to extend that credit to those guys. We won't, we'll, that's another conversation. <laughs> um, but let's move on right now. Now you uh, yourself are something of an expert in the mental health issues that plague the farming community. I was curious that, um, that the young farmers, like they haven't figured out yet that they're not gonna make any money. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> do, how, what kind of mental yeah. health issues do you see in the field with, uh, with this younger constituency? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same issues that aging farmers are facing, young farmers are facing too, but just it looks a little bit different. Um, so oftentimes young farmers will be farming on marginal farmland because it's where they can afford right. to lease or buy land. And often that land is quite isolated. So a lot of young farmers are not farming and living in the places that they actually want to be farming and living. Huh. Um, that are close to markets, close to their existing community of friends and family. Um, they're farming far away in pretty rural, isolated places on marginal land because that's what's affordable to them. Right. So we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, the isolation that comes with that. Um, well, a lot entering of times, a, oh, sorry, oh, aren't these guys farming leased land a lot of times? So that can be many miles away. Owned, yeah. Leased and owned, but that can mm -hmm. be many miles away. That's what you mean when you're yes. saying that they're they're farming somewhere yep. distant from their community. And yes. so it's that. Yeah, so rural isolation is one mm -hmm. piece. Um, and the second piece is just with climate change, we're seeing these disastrous weather events happening just closer and closer together. And just one of those events can really wipe out a farm for an entire season. And it's, it's so hard to bounce back from that. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you're, what we're seeing is more of a cascade of these issues rather than like, oh, it's, you know, farmers are um, struggling mentally because of X or because of Y. It's because of all of these factors combined. The financial piece is huge as well. Um, if you 
are working 80 hours a week to try to keep your farm afloat because that's the labor that it takes, but then you also have to work off the farm. So you're then working 100 hour weeks and not taking any vacation, um, any rest. It's, it's just, it's too much. Um, and we're just seeing that young farmers are having to take on so much just to be able to continue to farm. Um, it can really build up that cascade of, sure. of effects. In fact, uh, don't most, um, I've read a statistic that most farms actually now have uh, somebody who is working off farm in yes. order to maintain. So w Correct. what's the percentage in your constituency? What is the percentage of young farmers who are working another job? Working another job? Probably yeah. almost 100%. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, with our farmer tragic. members and our chapters, many, many, many are working an off-farm job um, uh -huh. or their partner is working an off-farm job but also right. working on the farm so that one of them can be full-time on the farm. Yep. Um, yeah, I would say almost 100%. So what, so we have the financial piece, which is hugely difficult mm -hmm. to, to manage. Um, and when these, the people who decide to become young farmers, is, you've mentioned that some of them mm -hmm. are as, you know, as old as 45. Yes. They've had <laughs> careers already. And some they, have. Yeah, mm -hmm. some of them have. Yeah. So what, what do you think drives them uh, towards a career in farming? Yeah. Given that, I mean, you don't go into this business without your eyes open. You, you really, I mean, some the age of, of well, you'd be surprised how many people do, actually. <laughs> well, it's like people who go into the restaurant business and, and then think they don't they're going to make money. Long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, that was sort of my next question. Yeah. Like, how many of them stay on the farm? How does it... Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, well, first I'll address the first part. So a, a lot of the farmers that re, we represent are not going into this as a second career. Okay. So they're going into farming straight out of college. Um, and that looks really different. So when you've had already had a decade of another career, say in something that pays you what most people get paid an average right. of. And you might um, not have student debt by then. And you might not have student loan debt. Your, your starting point is going to look really different than someone coming straight out of college into farming and hasn't had that 10 years of paying off loans or setting aside money in the bank um, to be able to put towards their farm business. And I would say we, our farmers are more the second. Um, they're coming into it directly and trying to make it work even though they don't have that savings. Um, why do people do this? Why do people choose this? Someone just asked me this in the other room. Um, when somebody wants to do this work, it almost feels like there is no choice. Like really? they do not have a choice. Um, so I farmed for- A true for vocation. A it is a true vocation. I farmed for a decade before my work with National Young Farmers Coalition. And it's, it's just a, when you feel drawn to this, um, nothing else compares. Wow. I don't really even know how to put it into words, but that's the best way I can put it. Um, and a lot of people, but this, so the sad part of that, that's an amazing thing that people feel this type of passion. Yes. And young people are feeling this and wanting to do this. Yes. The, difficult pieces that we're trying to combat are one is a lot of young people feel this way and can't do it because of financial reasons. Right. 
Two is that a lot of young people feel this way, they start farming, and then we lose them, usually around the five-year mark. Really? Um, Why do you think at five years? I think five years is a point where you're probably either at the point of you're tired of working for other people's farms and okay. you want to start your own. Yep. Um, or you're at the point where you need to expand your business. And you don't have the resources. And you don't have the resources. Right. Um, or you're at the point where maybe you're now in your 30s and you want to start a family. And a lot of young farmers are, they have to choose between yeah. do I want to continue doing this career that I love or do I want to have a family and be able to pay for that and put money into retirement. So you know what that leads me to is legislation. <laughs> because all roads lead to Does, legislation. Don't they all? Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you support farmers to create legislation on a state level as mm -hmm. opposed to a federal level. But but mm -hmm. how do uh, you know how do how can states better support mm -hmm. uh, young people who want to go into agriculture? And how are young people organizing in your coalition to start? moving uh, mm -hmm. legislation into programs that might be more beneficial or make their, their lives yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah. So state level um, is really where our chapters come in. They mm -hmm. come in on the federal policy level as well, but our state, state level legislation takes serious on the ground work, uh, meeting face to face with representatives, getting representatives out on your farm, being able to tell your story. Um, so our chapter networks uh, that do that are interested in policy um, are really shifting things on the state level with our support. Um, some recent things over the past couple of years, our central Minnesota chapter uh, wrote a bill and got it passed in 2018 um, that incentivize, incentivize, incentivizes um, <laughs> landowners who are retiring and transitioning their land to sell or lease that land to young and beginning farmers so they get a tax break if they do so. Right. So that was not a law in Minnesota until 2018 and now wow. it is. Wow. Um, and that was largely the chapter um, doing that work. Right. Uh, we've also passed um, an agricultural workforce bill in a couple of different states now in the West. Um, that the state now pays for half of an apprentice uh -huh. on a farm. So if you are looking to hire more employees, um, labor is really expensive. Yes. Um, the states now in New Mexico and Colorado will pay for part of that apprentice's salary. Um, so that is a huge way now that some of our farmers are being able to um, hire that labor that they need. Right, and then, yeah. uh, and then of course, there's the conservation stewardship mm -hmm. program. Yep. There's equip. Um, yep. Are there other programs that are on a federal level that young that your coalition is is working with to sort of, again, uh, you know, boost the the financial prospects for young farmers? Yeah. Well, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Act is our um, student loan debt campaign that we're running right now. Um, the campaign is called Farming as Public Service. So we're trying to add farmers to the existing public service loan forgiveness program. Cool. Currently it's um, teachers, nurses, doctors, government employees, and nonprofit workers are eligible for that program. Uh, you make 
10 years of qualifying payments and then you get the rest of that loan forgiven uh -huh. if the program works correctly as the way it's supposed to. Um, so we're trying to get farmers added to that list of yes. occupations that would be eligible. Um, if we could do that, that would be huge. So then a farmer could make 10 years of qualifying payments and then be out of that debt, right. which would free up that payment money, monthly payment money for the things that they for really need the to other pay for yeah. for their Absolutely. farm. Yeah. Right. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, Caitlin Arnold from the National Young Farmers Coalition. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thank you folks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network on tour. Thanks again to the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for making our on-tour coverage possible. And to the Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture for having us here at the Young Farmers Conference. I'm Katie Kiefer. Stay tuned for more. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.